Hey, everybody. This is Frank Scappaticci with the Virtual Real Estate Investing Podcast, here to do a quick solo episode without my partner, John Plumstead. John actually contracted COVID. Um, he tested positive Friday. Today's Monday, June 27th. And uh, I was with him along with our um, operations or GM, I should say, general manager, Adam. We were all in Savannah, Georgia and Hinesville, Georgia, um, looking at properties we were acquiring. We also went to a closing for a property in Forsyth, Georgia. So we had a busy week and John got COVID, but Adam and I did not. So um, he's resting up. So he'll be with us on our next episode. So it's just me today. And uh, what are we going to talk about today? Um, a couple of things. I, we're scaling as, as GPs or sponsors in the commercial real estate game. And uh, a couple of lessons learned we've had after the closing of a few properties. We've We've now bought four or five storage facilities, five. We bought our fifth storage facility last Friday. we got a couple of closings coming up throughout uh, July. And um, I wanted to go over some lessons we've learned regarding third party, third partner, um, Jesus Christ, can't speak, third parties that you hire and work with as a sponsor. And the thought I'm trying to impart or the thought I'm reflecting on is when you're scaling and when you're new to commercial real estate, you tend to be cheap. You're like, I don't want to pay a lawyer to do that. I don't want to pay a loan broker to do this. I don't want to pay for surveys or I don't want to pay for phase ones or environmental studies. Like that's that's the inclination that a lot of people have. They try to they try to save money, cut some corners. And there's a couple um things I'm gonna really implore even new sponsors to pay for, or at least to um to explore um, based on some lessons we've learned in the last year or so. So um, some third parties I want to talk about today, lawyers, loan brokers, and the actual real estate brokers and why it's important to talk to them and, and leverage them. Okay. I'm going to start off with attorneys, right? So you're, um, this is probably for new sponsors, like brand new, you're doing your first deal. And because uh, I think most people that have done more than one to two deals, like they, they probably are figuring out or know who their lawyer is and they're probably using them. Um, on repeat transactions, but I'm going to go over why I think a lawyer is important, right? We use a lawyer based out of Dallas. He's awesome. Um, I'm not going to give his name out because he's he's already swamped, I think, with business, um, but he's really, really good. And we've been using him ever since our first syndication, our first commercial real estate deal. And lawyers are definitely the type of people where you don't appreciate how important they are until stuff starts going wrong. I'll give an example. On our second deal, um, or third deal, I should say, we were syndicating the deal. We had brought on, I think, somewhere between 12 and 15 investors. That's how we raised the money, along with some of our own capital. We were buying a facility in Oklahoma, and we were using a local bank. And um, we had a loan broker help us with the deal. The, we got great terms. The loan officer, nice guy, like him a lot. Um, but when we got really close to the finish line, and I mean like within two weeks of closing, when the lender's attorney starts reviewing the loan docs and starts giving guidance and like their final closing checklist, he starts going to the loan officer and the attorney is like, hey, I need uh, to underwrite every single investor in the deal, even if they don't have um, a large equity stake, uh, which if you're working private equity, like this is um, as a sponsor, this would result in me having to go to my investors and like ask them for financial documentation. I am do not and will not do this, right? Like I'm not banging down the doors two weeks before closing to all my investors to give me, you know, personal financial statements, bank accounts. Like I'm not, 
you know, they can't be underwritten for a loan, right? It's not fair to them either, right? This is supposed to be somewhat passive. So um, I push back, obviously, right? And, you know, the lender's attorney is being stubborn, right? Um, it wasn't really until we got our attorney on the phone with their counsel, did some credibility on our side, get added to the equation. And our attorney um, was able to talk them down and limit the requests of our investors quite considerably. We still actually had to do some digging and um, get some information from our investors, like their license ID and like their social security number, just so they could do like a background check or KYC check. So we were able to limit the scope of their underwriting to that. Still annoying though for our investors. I still didn't like that. But I believe that if our attorney didn't intervene and talk to the lender's attorney or lender's counsel, um, it would have it could have blown up the deal or delayed the closing. And the seller was already trying to change the terms of the contract that we didn't at the closing date. So it was super, super stressful for us. Now, a couple of things, right? Um, one, our lender, our attorney was especially able to help or um, was really, really well equipped to help because he used to be a lender's attorney. So he has experience working on that side of the aisle. So I think that helped a lot working with their counsel. But the other thing is, um, is like, hey, Frank, you guys should have talked about all this stuff and got ahead of it earlier in the process with the loan officer because this bank had not done private equity deals before. They're a local bank. They're typically doing regular mortgages on housing and they're you know they're working with mom and pop business owners. So this was new to them. So we probably should have got ahead of it. Uh, hey, you're right. Lesson learned, right? Roger that. But still, the lawyer still saved the deal. And there's many other instances where a lawyer eventually is going to save your ass, right? The other instance where I would urge sponsors to uh, to put some thought is, hey, we're in a recession or we're approaching a recession potentially. Some investments out there are not going to work out. I believe all our investments are going to work out, right? Um, and all our investors are going to be happy. But you never know what's going to happen, right? If 08 happens, returns are going to get drained across the board. And some of our investors' capital is also going to be depleted if we end up in a really serious recession. Those things introduce risk of being sued. And as a sponsor, you want to make sure a lawyer is backing you to dot your I's and cross your T's. Make sure your documents are good. Someone on your ass to make sure your third-party inspections like surveys and environmentals are all done, right? And our attorney kind of helps us with that. So like get an attorney, right? Don't be cheap. Um, Okay. It's on to the next one. A loan broker. Loan brokers... um, I'm not sure what percentage of sponsors use loan brokers. I'm guessing it's less than half, but I'm not really sure. But if you're doing business in multiple states or multiple markets, I highly advise you get one, especially if you've done less than five deals. Um, a couple of reasons. One, they're, they're generally going to get you at least three quotes on debt. And right now, the spreads and the difference, the variability of quotes we're getting from lenders is pretty damn big. The last deal we closed, we closed with the lender and the next closest bank was 50 bips apart, right? With the same terms, like same prepayment penalties, all the other stuff. So the only difference was 50 bips, but that's a lot, right? Over this uh, life cycle of a loan. So it's a pretty big spread. And then uh, recently, uh, we just got quoted at, uh, we're doing a cash out refinance on five houses in Oklahoma, and we got quoted at 4.15%. I've got another quotes over 5%, right? So on that deal, um, on the single family side, we're talking about like a hundred bips gap between them and the next broker, right? So definitely, definitely get a broker just for testing the market. Right now, the spreads are all over the place. The other reason, and maybe just as important as the actual terms itself, is in the current environment, lenders are retrading a lot, right? Rates are going up. A lot of the lenders did not anticipate rates going up this aggressively. 
So what they quoted 30 days ago or 60 days ago on your loan might not look as attractive to them as it does today, right? So lenders are definitely have an incentive to retrade or try to adjust terms right before closing. We've had it where um, lenders have said like two weeks before closing, like, hey, we got to move this from uh, 4.75% interest to 495, right? Like that has happened to us in the past. And luckily we've been able to push back. Having a loan broker, someone that the lender is highly incentivized to make them happy because that person brings them business too, right? That broker is networked. They probably know a ton of sponsors and commercial real estate buyers, and that lender does not want to piss them off, right? So having a loan broker involved in the transaction is almost like having um, like a bodyguard when you're dealing with the lender. Like when they are going to, if they mess with your rates or try to retrade you, when you're, when you're in a tough spot, right? Like a, couple, a week before closing, you, you really got to close that deal to not lose all your EMD and that lender's on your team, right? So that's your performance. So if the lender tries to screw you over, now they got to piss off two customers, you and your broker. So I think you're less likely to get retraded or screwed over by a lender in this choppy environment, right? So that's, that's another thing. And then thirdly, the other party that I mean, everyone's familiar with brokers, right? In single family, they call them agents. In commercial, we tend to call them brokers. Um, and uh, like, why, why are they important, right? Well, I think it's good, right? Well, let's talk about deal sourcing. Let me take a step back. If you're sourcing deals, <clears throat> the main source of deals for people is usually brokers or some form of direct-to-seller marketing. In commercial real estate, I think cold calling is the most prevalent way to do it, right? You get a list of owners um, in your asset class and you start calling them, right? If it's in your buy box. And I think direct-to-seller marketing is, is the best way to acquire deals, especially if you're buying things, excuse me, that are worth less than 2 million bucks. <laughs> Above $3 million, every single seller we talk to, they're, they're speaking with brokers. All the ones that are interested in selling have already spoken to a broker and are probably either getting an opinion of value or already have one, right? So that person who's getting probably an inflated opinion of value because brokers want their business, that makes them a tough lead um, to get at a discount or to buy a property at a discount, right? Because they've already they've already really tested the market to a certain extent or the broker has given them, given them information um, that probably makes them think their facility or their asset is worth a lot, right? And in a lot of those cases, it's hard to beat a broker. Broker um, is highly incentivized to get their client a good deal, right? Um, they're they're incentivized to give them a high opinion of value to get their business, and that is going to beat out a sponsor or a buyer trying to get them at a lower price a lot of the time, right? Sellers are more likely, or they're higher. There's a higher chance of conversion for brokers when they cold call than an operator, and those three million dollar plus assets, brokers are calling them, right? So even if you're down market, buying cheap stuff, 800 grand, 700 grand on the commercial side, maybe less, eventually you might try to jump up in asset class, right? You you might jump up eventually. So I think having those broker relationships is really, really important, right? They dominate the market at the $3 million and above price point. Um, but if you're, if you're trying to come in and arbitrage price, right? And try to find inefficiencies in price, I, I tend to see, or we tend to see, that'd be really, really effective at $2 million and below. Once you get to a certain asset price, it's hard to do that. Like you, it's, it's going to be tough to start cold calling um, you know, someone who owns a class A multifamily in a major MSA, right? And just get them to sell it 
uh, off their hands, unless you're like an institutional buyer and you got those types of connections. But for the rest of us, um, the higher and higher in price you go, it's going to be harder and harder. So I think it's really, really important to have good broker relationships. One thing we're experimenting with on our side is figuring out ways to incentivize brokers to work with us. Um, right now, or we started with, hey, let's just be easy to deal with. Let's make sure that we do what we say we're going to do. If we make it past the due diligence period, we close, right? Like that's that's uh, that's really, really important. Dependability is probably the number one thing. But now we're looking at, hey, do we um, have brokers get a piece of our promote, right? Do we allow them to throw money money in the deal and offer that opportunity to them? Um, like how do we how do we incentivize everybody in the deal to uh, to make things work? So we're, we're looking at that too. Obviously, we want to stay ethical, Um and I could see how a conflict of interest could arise there. So we're, we're thinking through that. Um, but yeah, that's that's today's episode. So really, really quick advice. Three people that I think are important to be on your team. Lawyers, right? Someone who's experienced in real estate. Your real estate attorney that handles your syndications. They do all the docs. They talk to the lenders. Um, they get their state opinions, blah, 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 blah. They do all that stuff. Get a lawyer, a loan broker, right? If you're operating in multiple states and you can't just go back to the same lender over and over again, I highly advise using a loan broker. And then finally, brokers in commercial real estate. They are important. It's really, really sexy to get off market deals. But as you keep moving up and up in asset class throughout your career, eventually you're going to start working with them and getting deals from them. It's just what's going to happen. So that's all I got. Appreciate you guys and have a good week. Bye.